Welcome again, everybody, to the podcast Hearers of the Word, offered by Kieran O'Mahony. This is a podcast for the second Sunday of Advent in Year B. The appointed Gospel is Mark 1, 1 to 8. But I'm going to read 9 to 15 as well, because it's all part of the prologue of Mark's Gospel. Advent is a time to start again at the start. And Mark's Gospel gives us that opportunity by giving us the opening 8 or 15 verses. And for this podcast, I'm going to do something slightly different, more direct biblical commentary. So Mark's Gospel has a prologue in two parts, Mark 1, 1-8 and Mark 1, 9-15. And we're going to look at both. Of course, it is familiar and might even sound kind of simple or naive. But don't be deceived, because Mark is doing something very deep here, something very life-giving, which I hope to explore. And I'm going to do the comment in four moments, each time reading the text, and then we'll draw some conclusions for today. So the first section of the text is Mark 1, 1 to 3. This is the NET, the New English Translation, which I have adjusted slightly. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make his paths straight. Even though Mark says, the citation comes from Isaiah. In fact, it is a multiple reference. It takes in Exodus 23.20. I'm going to send an angel in front of you. Malachi 3.1. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. And then also Isaiah 43. A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And with that multiple citation, we see immediately that there are multiple themes. The exodus, the entry into the land, the time of exile, and the time of hope. Thus Mark sets the story of Jesus in the wider context of the story of Israel. And this is a story of good news but not good news as a message, but as a person. And the person is named at the very beginning as the Christ, the Son of God. And very important is the expression, the way, an early Christian shorthand for the whole gospel story. Number two, this is Mark 1, 4 to 8, to do with John the Immerser. And again, I have changed the translation a little. In the wilderness, John the Immerser began preaching a baptism of conversion for the forgiveness of sins. People from the whole Judean countryside and all of Jerusalem were going out to him, and he was immersing them in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. John wore a garment made of camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist, and he ate locusts, 
and wild honey. He proclaimed, One more powerful than I am is coming after me, and I am not worthy to bend down and untie the strap of his sandals. I immerse you in water, but he will immerse you in the Holy Spirit. Now the figure of John the Baptist is a clear enough reference to the prophet Elijah, who is expected to come at the end of time. The references are Zechariah 13.4 On that day the prophets will be ashamed every one of their visions when they prophesy. They will not put on a hairy mantle in order to deceive. And in 2 Kings 1.8 we read They answered him, a hairy man with a leather belt round his waist. And he said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. As for his food, this seems to be a reference to Leviticus 11.22. Of them you may eat locusts of every kind, bald locusts of every kind, crickets of every kind, and grasshoppers of every kind. So the prophet keeps the kosher laws. In this short couple of verses, the key themes again are wilderness as the place of mystery and encounter, conversion, forgiveness and salvation. And important places are mentioned, Judea and Jerusalem. You might wonder why the River Jordan, any source of water, would surely do. But when the tribes enter the land for the first time, they crossed the River Jordan with the help of Joshua. So the River Jordan is quite symbolic of the entry into the land. Spirit isn't much mentioned in Mark. Nevertheless, it does turn up. Mark 1.8 and 10 and 12, Mark 3.29, Mark 12.36 and Mark 13.11. And we come to our third passage. This is Mark 1.9-13. Now in those days... Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was immersed by John in the River Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my dear one, in you I take great delight. The Spirit immediately threw him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, enduring testing from Satan. He was with wild animals, and angels were ministering to his needs. The quotation in the centre is again a multiple reference to Psalm 2 verse 7. I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. It includes a reference to Isaiah 42, verse 1. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. And also a reference to Isaiah 41, 8. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. 
So the key references are to son and suffering servant, both very important in Mark's Gospel. The spiritual experience of the baptism is presented using symbols. The heavens are split open, the sky is torn apart. The dove is an echo of the story of Noah's Ark. The reference from Psalm 1, King and Anointed. From Isaiah, the Suffering Servant. And the figures of Abraham and Jacob are also evoked. They will come back later in Mark's Gospel, because in Mark 12.26 we read, Now as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. It says in our text, the Spirit threw him out to the desert. The very same word used for the exorcisms in Mark's Gospel. The number 40 is, of course, symbolic of Moses, the Exodus, and also of Elijah. And the wild beasts are interesting, a kind of symbol of the restoration of peace in messianic times between humans and animals as already established in Genesis chapter 2. And our fourth passage is very brief, Mark one fourteen to 15 Now after John was handed over, Jesus went into Galilee and proclaimed the good news of God. He said, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is near. Convert and believe the gospel. Notice I use the translation handed over rather than arrested or imprisoned. This is because it's in anticipation of the handing over of Jesus towards the end of the gospel. We have changed location. We've left behind Judea and Jerusalem and we're back in Galilee bordering on Gentile territory. The word proclaiming here means effective proclamation, proclamation which will produce results. And the word for time is interesting here. In Greek, there are two words for time, chronos and kairos. And chronos is, so to speak, clock time, but kairos is the time of grace or the time of opportunity. And it's affirmed that this time of grace has come. And we notice as well that the preaching of John the Baptist is taken up word for word. The kingdom or rule of God, convert, believe, and the good news. If we stood back for a moment and said, what has Mark achieved in these couple of verses? Well, to my mind, an immense amount. He has established the link of Jesus to John the Baptist, and through John the Baptist to the whole Old Testament prophetic tradition. He has used considerable symbolic geography, Galilee, Jordan, Judea, Jerusalem. He wants to tell the story of Jesus within key moments of the story of Israel, the exodus, the entry into the land, the exile, and the period of longing which followed. And key figures are alluded to, Adam, Noah, Jacob, Abraham, Moses, Elijah, David, and the suffering servant. And there are also anticipations. Satan will be very active in the gospel, 
and the handing over of Jesus will also be a climactic moment in the Passion narrative. And we learn that Jesus' program is the kingdom or the rule of God. And Jesus is the Messiah, the beloved Son of God, a prophet and the fulfiller of God's project. So in spite of the apparently simple telling, this is really deep and rich. In other words, in Mark 1, 1 1-15, we have before ourselves a real prologue, setting up the narrative and informing the readers very richly of what this is going to be about. So we have the Jesus story pointed to, his ministry, death and resurrection. We have the role of the Spirit. The time of grace has come and the imperative is to convert and believe. And Mark's hope is that we will read the story of Jesus not only in the context of great Old Testament stories, but also in the context of our story. Then it will be truly life-giving. Thank you very much, everybody.